and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real-life HR situations we face every day. Thank you, Corinne, for joining me today. Um, There have been a lot of uh, regulatory and legislation movements in the last uh, month, let alone last couple days. So wanted to jump on with you again. For those listening who um, may not have heard Corinne before, she is our Director of Government Relations here at Paylocity and my partner in crime when it comes to all things compliance. So thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, happy to be here. So I thought we could start with... The pay data report coming out of California. So employers might have heard about the new California pay data report, which has compensation data requirements. Um, But you still might be wondering what exactly it is and why do they need to be concerned about it? Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start, Cherry. So um, you'll probably remember this, as will many of the people that are listening right now. Uh, there previously was an EEO-1 component to pay data reporting requirement, and that was effective in 2017 and 2018. And this report is substantially similar to that. Beginning in 2021, California employers must file aggregated compensation and demographic information about their workforce, much like that Component 2 data. This requirement was actually passed shortly after it was announced that the Component 2 data was not going to be collected by EEOC any longer. Um, And the purpose here is really to shine light on any pay disparities between certain genders or races and to help the DFEH target their enforcement of equal pay or discrimination laws a little bit more effectively. So to be a little bit more specific about, you know, who should be concerned about it, um, the employers that are in scope here are private employers who have 100 or more employees, file an EEO-1 report, and have at least one California employee. I'm kind of uh, slowing down there because I think it's important to stop and think about what I just said. The scope of the impact here is pretty large. Your business could have 100 employees in Nevada and one remote employee in California, and this requirement is still going to apply to you. Can you dig into that a little bit more on how that 100 employee threshold is being defined? The DFEH has clarified that the regulation applies to private employers who have at least 100 employees, no matter where they're located. If those employees are regularly employed, or they have at least 100 employees during the fourth quarter snapshot period. So you'll remember that snapshot period. It's kind of a familiar um, concept from the EEO-1 reporting. The 100 employee threshold includes part-time employees and employees on leave who are still paying Social Security taxes. And it could also include temporary employees if they meet the DFEH definition of an employee. So if your organization is right on that cusp, if you're not sure if you have enough employees to qualify, I would walk through that assessment with a fine-tooth comb and just make sure you're considering all of those variables. Let's say that I have, in your example, one employee in California, the rest of my organization is in Nevada. When I do that reporting, do I have to report on just the one California employee or all my employees? So that's um, kind of, it's kind of up to the discretion of the employer in some ways. The DFEH has provided a little bit of flexibility for employers to choose which part of their workforce they want to include. They may choose only to include those employees that are in California 
or they may report their whole workforce. So if we return to the example that we were just talking through of the 100 in Nevada and one in California, that company may choose to only report the information for that California employee if there's some, you know, easy way for them to do that or if they're willing to go through the work of of making that manual, you know, report out in the amount of time allotted, or they can report all of their workforce. And I think that the thought process here, and I'm totally speculating, is that California didn't give a lot of time for people to figure out how to comply with this. This, you know, passed relatively recently, and the, the regulations have just been rolling out over the last few weeks, and it's due at the end of this month. So the reality is that there are going to be employers that are scrambling to figure out how to report this information, how to how to gather up just the California data and get that sent over. You know, for some, that may be relatively easy to do. And for those, you know, my recommendation would always be only send what you have to. But if you can't only send what you have to, um, you may send your entire workforce. What if you have multiple establishments? How does that reporting work? That's a great question. And actually, there was a fair amount of confusion around this point early on as DFEH was releasing their guidance. Um, They have since updated some of their FAQs and supporting documents in order to clarify the point. And more or less what they're saying is they're requiring employers to submit one report containing the information for all of their establishments including any out-of-state locations if the employer wishes to include those in that report. And multi-establishment employers must report the data for all locations, including those with fewer than 50 employees. So that's um, that's a little bit different than uh, what we had previously seen in some of their guidance. So definitely something to be mindful of. So shifting from who is covered what about what is covered in that pay data report? So um, again, as I as I said, it's kind of substantially similar to what was in the um, EEO1 component to data. So this pay data report collects aggregated information about the employer's workforce, including um, data that is you know around race, ethnicity, gender, job category, um, earnings, and total number of hours for those employees. Um, some of these items do differ from what was collected in that component too. Uh, But primarily what we're looking at is California is requiring that employers report gender in three categories. So it's male, female, or non-binary. This differs from the federal standard of the male and female, and it increases the number of reporting fields that are going to be on that report in total. Um, Additionally, the total hours includes actual hours worked plus any hours for employees that were um, on paid time off, like sick time, vacation time, if they had any holiday pay. Um, And if an employer doesn't utilize timesheets for tracking any of that information for exempt employees, for example, they do, um, DFEH does offer a like proxy method of calculating those hours. And that is the same one that is used by EEOC for the component two data. And the last thing that I kind of want to touch on is um, another difference between the California pay data report and the um, EEO1 component two was that California is uh, utilizing the box five information from the W2 for annual compensation information as opposed to box one for EEOC. That's a good thing to point out. Um, you had talked about time frame a little bit earlier. How is the time frame for reporting determined? Yeah. So um, in order to complete this report, employers must select a snapshot period from the reporting year. This is a pay period that is from the fourth quarter of the year, and the data included in the report needs to include all employees from the snapshot period, even if they are terminated at the time that the report is filed. The data from that period is going to be grouped by the establishment, the number of male, female, and non-binary employees in each of those ethnic groups by pay band, 
and include the total hours for the year. Employers can uh, generate these reports in an Excel or CSV format. So again, very similar to the EEO one, or they can choose to manually enter that in the reporting portal, um, which I think would really only be achievable if you have a relatively small number of employees in California. All right. So tell me about the filing process. What should employers expect? So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, this initial report is going to be due by March 31st, unless the employer has requested an extension from DFEH. And due to the late nature of the guidance, DFEH has said that they will grant some extensions if requested. Um, And then annually after that, employers need to submit the same report to California by March 31st each year. One of the things that I would call out here too is that um, employers can't have a third party finalize reports on their behalf. And in order to file a report, employers need to go to the pay data reporting portal and submit a new report or edit existing reports if you have already uploaded something. If employers will upload their file and enter the data in the portal, if that is their choice. And I think um, that is, again, going to be very similar to the process that was used by EEO. EEO1. I would um, also suggest that I think it takes about 20 or 30 minutes to register. So um, you probably will want to go in there, set up your portal account prior to um, try actually trying to submit it. I wouldn't you know, wait till the last second on that because it is going to take a little bit of uh, work up front just to set that up. Um, I would also recommend that you should certainly take some time to review the data and make sure that you have everything you need before you are filing. Corinne, this has been such a great discussion around the California pay date reporting details. Uh, I'm glad that we got to spend some time together today digging into this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.